Welcome everybody to New Polities Podcast on good money, the best type of money there is. And um, as Mark likes to say, the best type of money there is, is invested money. I have never once said that. (laughs) But it seems likely. We're talking about investments today. Um, I have a difficulty in talking about investments, not because I don't really have any, uh, but also because... I'm good with the negative case for investments in a way. Like, for instance, you've given me this argument, and I found it very convincing that in our world today, through the calculated activities of the Federal Reserve, the stock market, and some mm-hmm. other players, mm-hmm. money basically loses its value. And so if you have money just sitting around in the bank, it's losing its buying power. Yeah. Don't I sound smart? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so investments, we're actually encouraged today, and I think maliciously in some ways, encouraged to get into investments to try and uh, instead of just owning cash, owning things that are productive and so can beat the wickedness and woes of inflation, et cetera. Devaluation. Yep. Yeah. But that's not what you want to do because I think starting with that particular claim, like here's, here's all the bad things that investment can prevent is missing out on what investment is for anyways. Like it makes it sound like it's just this, rear guard financial technique that you can use, you know, when, when money goes sour, mm-hmm. but that's not, as I understand it, what the tradition says. No. And it's, yeah, that's, that's a softball. Right. You got it. You got it. Ready? Ready? <laughs> out of the park. Well, no, you have to hit it oh, out of the park. Oh, sorry. Here it is. I just kind of missed the analogy there. <laughs> Go ahead. Hit it out of the park. <laughs> well, actually everything is grounded. The idea of investing is grounded in the virtue of beneficence. Oh, yeah. So when Aristotle actually talks about the, this virtue, uh, which is rather an externalization of the internal virtue of charity, mm. St. Thomas later clarifies. He actually makes the analogy between the creditor and the debtor, you know, the one who is actually elevating the state of the other. He says this is this is a you know a good analogy to talk about how beneficence works. Mm. And if it's also an analogy, then it is also the thing itself. You I, know? I've never thought of creditors as beneficent. So they might be operating <laughs> on a different paradigm here. Yeah, this is not like a bank loan type thing. This is somebody that is actually booing up, lifting up, elevating the state of somebody else. And and John Paul II is really the guy that gets this and puts it forward. Um no to before we kind of like jump into it, I'll, well, I'll read his definition of investing yeah. really quickly, Please. and then um, and then we can kind of figure out the context in which he's he's saying this. So this is in Centesimus Annus, of course, everything's in Centesimus Annus, uh, paragraph thirty six. He is. Um, well, here it is. He, he writes this. He says, to invest, that is, to offer people an opportunity to make good use of their own labor. That's awesome. Literally no one thinks that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's his definition. It's a, the way I like to summarize it is that it is a chance to dignify the labor of your neighbor. That's amazing. You know, it makes someone's life better. Because yeah. investment is based upon understanding money as capital in some way, um, we can is meaning that capital has this purpose in mind. Money it operates the same way in productive, uh, productive sector as in an unproductive sector. Mm-hmm. It's just what do you plan to do? How do you strategize the use of money so as to 
bring a profit at the end. Mm -hmm. That's money is capital. That's mm -hmm. the idea. Mm -hmm. So within that understanding, the, you, we have to know that money is just an instrumental cause in the whole operation. Money itself is not creating the profit at right. the end. It is an instrument to enable it. The principal cause, St. Thomas tells us, and it's just kind of obvious, is actually the one that's thinking up the plan of how to execute it and then executing it. Right. The, it's the creative mind. Well, the creative mind and then the laborer, I would presume. Oh, if, there's a, if there if is a work. distinction. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but yeah. you could think about um, something as simple as, um, you know, I'm going to go down to the store and I'm going to buy some leather. And I'm going to make some really cool sandals out of it. Yeah. But I need to be able to purchase the leather. Yeah. And therefore, I'm going to take this money of mine over here. Yep. And go utilize it so yep. then I can go buy the leather, make the shoe, and then sell it for a profit. Well, that's still utilizing money as capital. And there's no investor-investee mm -hmm. relationship in that. Mm -hmm. What gets really interesting is when you do introduce that sort of relationship. Right. That's what I'd say to that. I think maybe one one claim, I mean, probably a lot of people would say, well, hey, capital doesn't work like regular money does. And and, and it really does. I mean, that's kind of like a strange thing to say. But, you know, as we're investing in this brewery or whatever, or, or the grocery box or whatever it is that's going on, we're making purchases in the same way we'd make other purchases. Right. Uh, maybe not the same purchases, right. but money still operates as a medium of exchange. Yep. You know, I'm... Uh, I'm buying the fermenter. How does that work? Well, it's just I put the cash across the table and they yeah. come and bring me the fermenter. You yeah. know, same thing, the oven, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Money just has the same simple character yeah. in all of those situations. The, differ the difference between them is what's my plan? Mm -hmm. Is there an overarching plan? Do I just want the lettuce or do I want the lettuce for something? Sure. That's kind of the major difference that's happening. Okay. Yeah. And somebody might look at, you know, their brokerage account or whatever and see hey look you know the numbers are going up and down money's doing something and that's not what's happening it's at that point you've already traded what's money for something and you're seeing it's the value of it going up and down mm. you know as being valued by the market at the time you Does that all make sense you had me right to the end but i don't think the end matters no i think what matter. really matters, <laughs> what matters is that john paul ii quote in that yeah I've never heard of investments as being for the sake of dignifying the labor of others, mm -hmm. but it, but it does make sense. I mean, when we have, like we have a duty on the one hand to give, to meet people's needs. Right. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, if we were simply living in a world in which Christians were those people who just met needs, um, we'd be missing a whole part of justice. And I've seen this happen in towns where the Christian thing gets totally uh it's devoid of any investment investing so it's no longer seeing that as part of justice justice is just meeting needs mm -hmm. feeding the hungry mm -hmm. giving drink to the thirsty clothing the naked all obviously commendable gonna get you to heaven go for it but the thing the thing that that misses is that man is not just an animal who needs his needs to be taken care of right man is a rational creature who has a particular vocation, unlike all the animals of this earth, right? Which is to work. Yeah. That is to take uh, the creation as it is given and to turn it into a pleasing offering 
for God mm-hmm. through his creative use of labor, through his mm-hmm. reason, through his working on things and stuff. And yeah, we live in a crooked world where it's hard to do that. But it does seem like if the Christian is obliged to provide for man's body, mm-hmm. then there's a real way in which he's obliged to provide for man's soul. And part of that must be the provision of opportunity for him to work, for him to fulfill yeah. his vocation as another Adam. Yeah, um, I say Adam because it seems like the boys generally like talking about investing more than the girls. <laughs> I don't know if you've experienced this. <laughs> I just have never met a group of girls talking about investing. And I know there are they are obviously out there. So <laughs> this might just be evidence of my narrow existence here in Steubenville, Ohio. But generally speaking, this seems to be something the boys are all about. Yeah, I think that's right. I bet if we checked our demographics, this one will be all the boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, Sup, like fellas. You guys... <laughs> It smells bad in here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the whole, you know what I'm saying? The whole, the whole um, focus of Christian life generally seems to be on these charitable works mm-hmm. where we're just giving money to meet needs of the body. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously a good, but it seems like there's this deliberate relegation of the Christian life to those um, kinds of uses of money, those mm-hmm. kinds of activities, because they have a certain... Um, a certain limited potential. It's like, well, Christians can kind of do that. And then you'll have conservatives talking about Christians basically doing the role of the state. Like the churches take care of the poor and then the (laughs) state is everything else. Right. Um, (laughs) And that seems to me to be kind of de-radicalizing of what um, Christ's teaching on money and the tradition of teaching on money really is, which is that it's not simply in your sort of charitable use of money, but in your just use of money, that you are meeting the needs of persons and mm-hmm. fulfilling them, which means that it's not just the businessman who's looking at his profits at the end of the year and wants to get, you know, he's got to pay taxes. So he's looking around for nonprofits to make some donations to as if that was Christianity, right? It's right. also the investments themselves. Are oh, you dignifying yeah. labor? Are you serving the poor in that way? Are you mm-hmm. giving them work? Mm-hmm. Um, no, it doesn't matter what. inspiring to me. Yeah, because it's still a matter of how are you using your money? totally you know yes it's it's like in one cases you're giving to the nonprofits, great but like how are you how were you using your money Mm -hmm. that's the major question as job says to the lord will you not look away from me for long enough that i might swallow my spit and that's sort of how we feel about money it's just honest you know (laughs) how you getting it how you spending it how you keeping it what you using it for Nice. Well, so I, I mean, one thing that's really interesting about this pair, can I just read this whole paragraph and then we can like Jacob, go through you know, I'm, I am here for sitting back and letting you read from encyclicals. Okay, cool. If you don't have a creative idea, just listen to those who do, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this, this is what JP2 says, the great saint. Wrong paragraph. All right. Um, All right. So he says, it is not wrong to want to live better. What is wrong is a style of life which is presumed to be better when it is directed towards having rather than being, and which wants to have more, not in order to be more, but in order to spend life in enjoyment as an end in itself. It is therefore necessary to create lifestyles in which the quest for truth, beauty, goodness, and communion with others for the sake of common growth are the factors which determine consumer choices, savings, and investments. 
In this regard, it is not a matter of the duty of charity alone, that is, the duty to give from one's abundance and sometimes even out of one's needs in order to provide what is essential for the life of a poor person. I am referring to the fact that even the decision to invest in one place rather than another, in one productive sector rather than another, is always a moral and cultural choice. Given the utter necessity of certain economic conditions and of political stability, the decision to invest, that is, to offer people an opportunity to make good use of their own labor, is also determined by an attitude of human sympathy and trust in providence, which reveal the human quality of the person making such decisions. Boom. A lot going on there. Yeah, there's a ton going on. Uh, I like his little side comment about sometimes you have to give charity out of your needs, not just out of your abundance. Yeah, you oh. know, it hurts. It does. Well, you know, this is kind of an interesting thing because, you know, St. Thomas in his question on almsgiving says, you know, when have you given too much? And he says, well, you've given too much away as soon as you're no longer able to take care of those who are under your care. Yeah. But then he like backs that up a little bit and says, well, sometimes that's okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is just in the tradition, you know, it's part of it. But, but the thing is that it's really interesting is that that is kind of the exception to the rule. Sure. The rule in this regard is that you give away your abundance. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll just, that sounds kind of crazy. So let's show a receipt. I don't know. This all, thing. all of nature gives away its abundance. It doesn't sound crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I've been, eat, I've been eating a lot of garden foods, you know, I'm thinking about this. <laughs> well, let me just read this off. All right. Go ahead. Here we go. Leo the 13th, Rerum yeah. Navarum. He says, quote, when what necessity demands has been supplied and one standing fairly taking thought for, it becomes a duty to give to the indigent out of what remains over, end quote. St. Ambrose, quote, it is not anything of yours that you are bestowing on the poor. Rather, you are giving back something of his. For you alone are usurping what was given in common for the use of all. The earth belongs to everyone, end quote. St. Augustine, those who possess superfluities possess something else, someone else's goods. Gregory the Great, when we supply necessities to the poor, we turn return to them what is theirs. And then the 1996 catechism, the big boy right there, says, when we attend to the needs of those in want, we give them what is theirs, not ours. More than performing the works of mercy, we are paying a debt of justice, baby. So that's yeah. why we say what we say, you know? It's yeah. Smack no, dab right there. It's, it's one of the most um, constant bells rung in the tradition is that mm -hmm. if, if you have more than you need for your vocation, then it belongs by justice to the poor, not to you, because... God gave everything to everyone, yeah. gave the earth to everyone. So if we are taking the world and then using it, privatizing it in a way in order to make it productive, then to simply take beyond what we need mm -hmm. from that is to imagine that the world wasn't really given to us, right. right? It's to lose the gift character of the world and pretend it's something it's not. So it's to start to lose touch with reality, which is why people that do it always become well, out of touch with reality, it seems to me. Right. And, and so this actually, I think, brings up a really essential question is then, well, if everything that is superfluous, that we don't really need right now for care of our bodies, or as Leo the Thirteenth say, you know, fairly, one standing fairly taken thought for, you know, yeah. that how do we understand investment? Because investments, by their definition, 
are excess cash. I don't need to use that money right now right. to buy a tomato, right? right? You know, right. Uh, or food or bread or you know, housing. You know, I yep. I can risk this mm -hmm. capital. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the idea. So, John Paul II obviously couches this, um, you know, dictum within that context of savings. He says, you know, this is, um, or excuse me, of of giving to the poor. You know, not everything does, or excuse me, I mean, he's not talking about the duty of charity alone. That's how yeah. he phrases it, right? Yeah. So that's the context. And he says, so, so but what's the answer? And he, he says the answer is pretty much the same thing. What does almsgiving do? Like we've talked about this, you know, it actually raises somebody's state up. Yeah. It actually shares, allows them to participate in your life in a sense. Yeah. Because the things that were defining the defining features of your life, your wealth, your state in life, you're now sharing with them. You're actually entering into the same into some sort of real unity yeah. at that point. An investment really does that. It yeah. binds you together. It forms what St. Thomas Aquinas calls a societas, yeah. which is a medieval term, is a technical term for investing. We'll talk about that. But that term was also used to discuss a husband and a wife coming together in marriage. Yeah. You know, or man and woman coming together and investing it, in marriage. It sounds like what you're arguing <laughs> is that um, investment fulfills that command to give our superfluities away. But I mean, and, and that can sound like maybe I'm uh, doing a sort of sneaky loophole defense, right? Of like, you can imagine taking this the wrong way and saying like, well, I don't need to give to the poor. I can just have more investments because that's me dealing with, with my uh, abundance, my mm -hmm. excess. Um, but it goes back to what you said with John Paul II's definition, yeah. which is dignifying the labor of others. Yes. If it's the case that what, our abundance is for mm -hmm. is for the sake of others mm -hmm. then it has to be the case that the primary motivation behind investing cannot be to simply increase our abundance right yeah. it has got to be a way of getting rid of it for the poor uh that is to say it's a way of taking that money that otherwise we're simply culling a certain part of the common creation mm -hmm. and saying okay now how do i take this creation and make the fact that i own it for the sake of others, how do it? How does it become fruitful? How does it become um, ab abundant for others? Yeah. So then you're making jobs. Then you're making work. Mm -hmm. Right. Then you're doing things that mean that other people um, advance in property and wealth. Right? Yeah, and this might kind of sound like a little Republican, you know, a little bit, yeah. you know, because well, on the one hand, you have the socialist almsgiving thing. You just give stuff away. Yeah, yeah. You know, which. It's not socialism, but, but I've never met a socialist who gives alms. Sorry. Uh, but it's kind of the giving they just, away they just, mentality. They just give advice. Yeah. They're like, sorry, bro, you should really rise up. You know? <laughs> You're like, yeah, okay, it's time for enough Xbox today, right? Um, then on the other hand, though, it kind of sounds like the investing thing is more of a um, capitalist pull yourself up by your bootstraps totally. thing. Yeah. The difference. I think one of the differences here is that you have a real concern over the labor of particular people that yeah. you are investing in. Yeah. Like you're not investing in a thing, you're investing in people. Okay, but stop right there because yeah. for most people right now when they talk about their investments, they're talking about companies that they have no, I mean they have some kind of maybe share ownership and I know I we promised before we started this we're not talking about stocks. <laughs> That's <yet>. next time. <laughs> trying to make a positive case i'm i'm just more of a negative i'm more of a negative person like i don't 
if you ask me to describe like the glories of the new Jerusalem, I'll be kind of like, well, I mean, it's nice and everyone's happy. But if you ask me to describe like the wickedness of the pagans, I'll be like, all right, got three hours. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you about their mechanism. There's something perverse there. I think. Anyways, it's the same with the. <laughs> It's the same with this, where I want to talk about how bad the stock market is, but that's not what we're doing. But maybe we should to, have gotten that out of your system first. But to your oh, point, well. though, the, the, the I think most people will think, "Oh yeah, investments." So I buy shares in companies, um, and you seem to be saying, like, if the point is that it is a way of doing justice with our excess wealth, mm-hmm. of turning it away from ourselves and towards others, yeah. then it can't be the case that our motivation is simply to buy its companies, things, yeah. Uh, that will simply because that because then we're right back into the question of well how are we evaluating the investment probably on a return which is simply more money for us which means that we now have more of an obligation to invest unfortunately mm-hmm. whoopsies you just had more abundance so now you've got to do you know and now you have to have more uh, distribution so it seems like you're saying that there needs to be a certain return to actually knowing that your money is putting people to work that your money is dignifying their labor in a way that you can actually know. Um, as an investor. Yeah, and I think the better the investment, the more personal it is in a certain sense. So you can have some sort of abstract knowledge that if you know, I buy a franchise of this one company, mm-hmm. whatever, and, uh, and then people in the abstract are going to have jobs. Yeah. And the, I th- you know, the particular case of John Paul II and all his writing is, is this personalist approach of actually coming before another face, looking him dead in the eye and saying, I love you and let me dedicate my life to helping you, you know, mm-hmm. get to heaven, and become virtuous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and being able to give a particular another person a really good job that will enable him to have more dignified and elevated work is going to be a path for his salvation, precisely because work was a gift that was given to man by God to help him work that out. And that's John Paul II's case in Labor McSerson's with the kind of the encyclical that needs to go right next to this well, one. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. another part of the um, church's social teaching that you're you're kind of illuminating for me because I've always found it otherwise misplaced, which is that the church is always concerned about unemployment. Mm-hmm. And to me, it always sounded like this odd, almost political concern, uh, political in like the crass sense of like a something that nations are sort of concerned with mm-hmm. um, that senators run on a unemployment <laughs> campaign and a, a desire to eradicate unemployment it, it just seemed like well wh- why is the church talking about this this seems like they're kind of out of their not out of their depth it just seems almost like a non sequitur but what you're describing is really really helping because it's certainly been my experience that not working is an evil yeah. um and that when people don't work they spiritually suffer mm-hmm. um and it's really fascinating. And we all know this. I mean, it's like yeah. we all talk, like complain about the lazy kid playing video games in his mom's basement. Well, know? but I think we yeah. also just feel it ourselves. Yeah. It's difficult yeah, we do. now yeah. because we have made this. Um, we've made making money and working synonymous when they're not right. So you can have a job, especially within the white collar field where you are technically making money by doing an activity. But if you were to ask, OK, but am I participating in work in the sense of um, adding my labor to the creation so as to make it a more pleasing, um, a more pleasing offering to God, you'd probably say no. Probably you're making the world worse in some little way, <laughs> and at best you're just not doing much at all. 
And so it seems like people have this idea of employment as if anything will suffice, right? So mm-hmm. when, when we look at the problem of employment, we just say, well, let's just get jobs. Um, but what we mean is let's just make money, you know, in some manner. But work isn't, isn't just like that, which is why investment needs to be um, local and concerned for what it's really uh, enabling people to do. Mm-hmm. So that when you invest, it's to create opportunities, not just for people to work in the sense of to make money, but also in the sense of to be proud of themselves, to do something that benefits them, that tends them towards greater ownership, both of their skills, but also of um, property. Um, work that has an obvious effect uh, on the common good. It brings the common good closer for the common, <laughs> for the people. And these are things that you can't simply do haphazardly. It seems to me that the more the more in touch you are with the persons, the more you can know whether your investment is actually having that effect. Yeah, really, really dignifying good. work and mm-hmm. not just sort of abstractly you know, keeping a business afloat and therefore creating jobs, whether or not they're good jobs. Right, you know? yeah. And that's, I think, a big part of why investing today for Christians should be so important because we have a lot of bad jobs out there. And I'm not just talking about, you know, jobs that like abuse people, you know, like in the old kids under the, you know, industrial machines type jobs that are dangerous, but jobs that are more dangerous for the soul, the jobs that are not actually enabling people to utilize the creative capacities that God endowed them with and that he's calling them to totally. utilize for their salvation. I totally That's rather it. have my kid crawling under sewing machines than uh, an internship internship in like DC or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, here, practice selling insurance for us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think that's that's a big concern and why job creation in a very Catholic sense yeah. should be a focus on more, you know, for more people. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's incredible the amount of money um, that Catholics have, you know, locked away in, in so-called investments, but speculative investments, which will come to them next time, but not right now. That really could be going to, uh, to other people that they know. And but this is also a thing: is that a, um, to be able to give somebody a job where in which they can truly be creative takes creativity to be able to identify. You know. Yeah, I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I think one of the things people are going to ask is, okay, obviously it is a goal of investment then to create work, opportunities for work, real work for people you know. Yeah. That's the point. And mm-hmm. that's why it can be a discharging of our duty of um, of giving of our excess, giving of our abundance, mm-hmm. right? Because if it wasn't, well, anyways. But they're going to say, but that's not all investing is because then it might as well just be charity, right? So right. Yeah. you're not, you're investing in a brewery mm-hmm. right now. Yep. Thank you. You're welcome. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait. It's delicious. Um, but what you're not doing is just taking a bunch of money and giving it to other people and saying, please make a brewery. Okay. Now I'm not saying you wouldn't, right, or that right, would be something right. bad. I think that's yeah. a great thing to do, but in the mm-hmm. end, that's almost giving with a suggestion for its use. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what I mean is you are expecting a return. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. So uh, that leads to two questions. Mm-hmm. Okay. The first is if there is a return, how do, how does, the, how does getting the return not sort of nullify the idea of it being a use of our money, right? For the sake of others. How do we not end mm-hmm. up back in the same situation? Mm-hmm. And then, well, let's start with that one. Because then I'll cross my fingers. I have this um, technique for remembering things. 
Is it working? Does it work? We'll find out. Yeah, I'm going to cross okay, my fingers. Cool. I, I, wait, I have to look at my fingers while I cross them and then beam the thing I'm supposed to remember into the fingers. Wait, here we go. Okay. <laughs> well, I yeah, the this is a really good question. I, I think there's a lot of ways that you can invest in which you are actually compromising your friendship with people. And and folks will say, yeah, of course, you never you know mix family and money or friends and money together. And, and that's not what I'm saying. I think that's very wrong. Um, the point of money is to make friends. So obviously that's what you should be doing with it. Um, it's more the case of I'm not buying a brewery is maybe that should be per, like partly clarified is that I'm not anticipating forever owning it. I see. Right. Um, so when St. Thomas talks about a, an investor helping a merchant on his travels, yeah, he uses the term societas. I've already mentioned it's a relationship between two people who know one another. It's used in terms of marriage, but it's also this technical term to talk about a joint activity between a, 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 a tractor, the merchant who goes somewhere, and a ston, someone who stays where they are. You know, the 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 relationship there would be something like this: You have an idea. You want to go get wine from Portugal. I have some money that could pay for your trip down. You say, hey, could could you give me some of the money so that we could do this together? And I say, yeah, sure. So I give you the money. You go down. You you risk, you know, your time, your 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 efforts. And nautical to, skill. Your, yeah, exactly. To go down, get the wine, bring it back. Yeah. Um, no, and then sell it at market. Um, Raymond de Rouver, who was just one of the great economic historians of the last century said it would be a mistake to think that the truck or the, or the, excuse me, the Stauntons, the guy who stays, the investor was a passive partner. He was active. Most of the time he was a former merchant himself who's directing the young merchant where to go, how to get his, mm. um, how to get his funds, uh, or excuse me, get the wine. And then once he brings it back, he helps him sell it at market. Mm -hmm. So in a real sense, the investor was almost a mentor type. He was aiding the effort. Um, yeah. Uh, and that's what St. Thomas is referring to. That's the technical term that he's utilizing in the, in the Summa when he's, when he's talking about this investor-investee yeah. relationship. Now, this is really helpful for us on a number of fronts. First of all, it shows that the investor is engaged. He's, not, he's kind of invested spiritually, you know, in his spirit, you yeah, know, I yeah. mean, and not just economically. It also means that he's, um, if he has any, you know, insights, uh, wisdom to share. He's imparting that. Um, but, you know, even more than that, something that's interesting to notice is that there's an end point to the societas. As soon as the last bottle of wine is sold, mm -hmm. then the joint activity has ended. You yeah. did what you accomplished. Yeah. And I find this relatively dangerous in the modern world because we don't really have endpoints to our companies. You know, they are something that we invest in. I buy part of a company. Well, what's a company? What's a legal entity? Well, what, but what's that? You know, we have this category in our modern legal system that is, makes it hard to translate into what it actually is. Yeah. So, and what it actually is, is people working. Yeah. Right. So if I'm just putting money into the brewery, the, you know, the, the capital money to get it going, get it off the ground and then holding it forever. Yeah then there's not a truly just percentage of what I'm getting, what I'm going to take out forever because right. I put money in once, yeah. but they put labor in 
always. No, and this leads you know? to my crossed fingers. Because oh, okay. what I was going to ask is, um, it seems it's always troubled me that with investment, there's some kind of priority in terms of return given to capital as opposed to labor. Because yeah. it's not clear to me why one should get a reward simply for having the money in the first place. Now, it may be the case, of course, subjectively, there might be a subjective situation where you worked really, really hard for that money. And so there's some sort of emotional like baggage behind it. I'm giving all this labor to someone. But it mm-hmm. also may be the case that you just got it from your mom, you know, like Jeff Bezos did with Amazon, right? So, <laughs> so my point being, it's like, what is the value of having the money to give in the first place? It's not to say, especially in the situation mm-hmm. you described, that it's mm-hmm. value less. I mean, you, there, it is a gift. And in, in the societas, mm-hmm. you're working. Mm-hmm. You know, your labor, sure, it's a different kind of labor, but you are laboring for the same profit as the workers and you're helping them. Yeah, your gain is their but, gain, your loss is their loss. Well, you're actually unified together. Okay, so yeah. I mean, now, now this, is just, this is just great because <laughs> another principle, it seems to me, of Christian investing is that it has to risk a loss. Oh, sure, yeah. I don't know, but I don't think people think that. Right. Because I think they, they I mean, especially with stock investment, but we're not going to do it. It <laughs> seems like there, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of ways where we're trained to expect, and there, you probably know this kind of from this world, that there are kinds of investments you can make where you're guaranteed a return even if the business or what you're investing in fails. Is this Does this have a well, kind of, of, I mean, the, the most risk-free investment there is is a government bond, Okay, you know, but that's a different matter. We can, sure. Yeah. So it seems like you have to risk loss yeah. in order for it to be just because that, that risk of loss is a sign that you're actually doing it together. Yeah, well, that's, I think, a really important point, because a lot of people will actually say risk is a principle that justifies your return on your investment. Okay. Um, so uh, Samuel Gregg, really smart guy, used to be at the Acton Institute, no longer is, I don't know where he is now. Um, you know, he, also an Oxford dude. He, um, he makes this point in one of his books. And, and it's just a fundamental misunderstanding of what the medievals, how they talked about risk. Namely that risk deserves a reward. Yeah, risk does not deserve a reward. For the medievals, for St. Thomas, for Peter, for Peter of John O'Levy, um, these guys, when they talked about risk, it was risk as a sign. It was a symbol that represented something else that was the principle. And that principle was real ownership. So that when I give you the money, mm-hmm. say... When you spend it, it's as if I spent it. Mm-hmm. You know, when you expend it, it's as if I expended it. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's what's really going on. Yeah. That's why they say risk really does have a place as a sign, but it's not a sh- it's not a sure principle. So. Totally makes sense. Yeah, because mm-hmm. risk is also very relative. It's like if you have, you know, hundred thousand dollars lying around, you can say, okay, theoretically, I risk this, but the idea that that justifies a larger reward or a larger return. Mm-hmm. Um, on the capital investment as opposed to the profits that go to the to the laborers mm-hmm. um it just it seems totally arbitrary it's like why because that was really scary for you like that you might have lost <laughs> yeah. it like are we actually looking at risk itself as some somehow accruing to more profits mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense whereas if you belong together within a communion mm-hmm. that you've created in order to attain a certain good yeah then you're all risking that's the point Right. Like a risk, risk is a sign that you've actually created a society as opposed to just like manipulating people where there's no risk to you. Exactly. I think I'm following that. Yeah. It really makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, I thought about this with regards to the brewery because you've invested in the brewery. Um, but 
that question mm-hmm. that haunts my dreams. <laughs> How do you measure the just return for a capital investment? I mean, uh, I think about this all the time, but yeah. you know what I've come to? It's arbitrary. I think it's arbitrary. Okay. But cool. now when it's arbitrary thing. though, because you know, because with labor, you can really, you know, you can do math. You can say it's I mean, it's <laughs> still kind of arbitrary in some ways, but you can make these decisions like, well, it's this much time, it involves this kind of education, this kind of training. I can I can put the factors in, the, the tools used yeah. and come up with some kind of idea of a just wage in relation to the need, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But when it comes to the return for capital, the return for capital investment, it's like, well, you guys got to kind of decide something <laughs> because it's obviously a kind of work, but yeah. it's not the kind of work where you can tally up your hours at the end of the day, right? Oh, yeah. No. It's... But this is really important because I don't think that the fact that it's arbitrary means that it's somehow bad. I think the fact that it's arbitrary shows that it's supposed to be between friends. Yeah. Because who is better at deciding arbitrarily than a group of friends? Mm-hmm. Namely, you get a couple people in the room and you say, hey, I'm going to give, I don't know, $500,000 to this. And here's my family situation. And I really want to see this thing happen. Uh, how much do you guys think that it's worth? Mm-hmm. Here's my suggestion. What mm-hmm. do you think? Okay. And then you come to a decision, you agree. I mean, a lot of the Catholic Catholic social teaching is it has this um, very quixotic goal, which is friendship between the classes, right? Friendship between capital and labor. So yeah. they'll they'll do this sort of thematic move where the communists have this war between capital and labor. The capitalists have essentially the same thing. It's just that capital always wins the war. <laughs> <laughs> but here in the Catholic Church, we want capital and labor. Just be friends. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, that makes sense because only friends can decide the worth of capital investment. Yeah. And you, I, I, there's a number of questions that you've asked that I haven't really answered. And I think some I mean, one of them, all my fingers crossed. Okay. <laughs> one of them that I think is really important, though, for us to discuss is, is that priority of capital over labor. And I, and I have never really read a good answer to this question, but I have experienced it in business. Okay. Um, and um, I won't go into all of it, but recently I was making myself a worse deal than what somebody else offered me. Okay. <laughs> and he was kind of taken aback and said, um, well, I think you might deserve more because you've worked hard for that money and your trust really means a lot mm-hmm. to me. And, and I thought that was a beautiful and honest answer. But the thing that he wasn't expecting was um, the fact that I wanted to, like, invest in him, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, like, I actively wanted that. Yeah. For him, it was something that he needed to kind of, like, pull, he thought he needed to, like, pull that from me. Right. You know. Um, and so his, his, res- his response revealed to me that that understanding is that he... He, that instrumental cause of big money yeah. was really what he needed to be able to make his dreams a reality. And he just wanted, wanted, wanted his dreams to become a reality. Right. And that he was going begging to somebody. And that's kind of how he felt it. And w- part of the way to help somebody who really needed to, he needed to incentivize and change their mind was by giving them the better deal. Gotcha. You know, that wasn't really, um, and sometimes, you know, you, 
like people have ideas and they like say, please trust me with this or whatever. And you're not really convinced and whatever, maybe you take a risk for it. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure if I would do that, you know, Mm -hmm. I really, you know, but when there's the true wedding that happens where I really believe in you, I like what you're doing. I, you know, you kind of, you're my friend, you know, um, then things really start to change. The relationship between capital and labor can take, its proper form and the proper form of that John Paul II speaks very clearly. And, and I think it's paragraph 14 of Abormek Sersons is that labor is always is always a priority over capital. And it's not just the causality thing though. It is that the whole principal cause versus instrumental cause, but it's, it's really understanding that one is human and the other's not, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's really comes down to the idea of why are we, working well we're working for salvation yeah who's the one that gets to heaven well it ain't the dough bro well it's it's like even the things we reward in capital isn't the capital it's the work of the person who has the capital you know what i mean like even when we say okay but why is this capital like why do i get a return on just having this money it's like you say things like well i worked really hard for this money yeah you say things like well i'm really using my creative talents and skills to determine like which things to invest in which things so yeah so you're talking about labor yeah yeah. (laughs) so it's it's like actually everyone knows actually there's a priority of because they they can only defend the priority of capital by by talking about it as if it's labor right or or where it really is labor those points where it really is labor that seems totally right to me yeah you know what's awesome about christian investing or the kind of investing that you're you're sort of advocating kind of closing <laughs> in on right because you said it's personal mm-hmm. right you've said that it shouldn't expect uh it should be limited mm-hmm. that it should form personal societies communities of people who are all risking themselves mm-hmm. right that it should prioritize labor that mm-hmm. is for the sake of producing good work mm-hmm. in people mm-hmm. our next podcast good work <laughs> <laughs> um and it also seems like it's um local and i don't mean simply local in the sense of um as if there is some geographic merely geographic value like it's nice to have things around but investing in the tradition is for the sake of the common good right it's again the difference is that it's just not for gain you're not (laughs) sitting there thinking how do i money i want much of money all right i'll do investments and then you're not going to go to heaven and Jesus is going to say, hey, good job on the investments. That actually has nothing to do with getting to heaven, so I'm not even going to ask you about that. I just wanted to <laughs> say great choice in companies or whatever. It's like, no. <laughs> He's going to be like, you took money mm-hmm. that could have been yeah. for the common good, and you used it deliberately for the sake of increasing gain. And any gains you made for the common good were incidental to your main drive. It was just this thing that kind of happened accidentally. Right. Okay. But in this Christian form that you're speaking of, mm-hmm. you are a part of the common good. Yeah. And sometimes the reason people get so like upset about trying to find a justification for a return on capital's investment is that in a normal scenario where you're investing around you, the number one part of the return is the thing itself, the thing that's produced by the investment. Mm. What I mean is if I were in your position, right, being able to invest in a brewery in some way. Sure, I could say, yeah, it would be nice to get my money back over this period of time or something like that. And you can see how that would be just. But what you're excited about is the brewery. Totally. I mean, that's what you want. Yeah. And, and the point is, and you want people yeah. to be happy. You want your friends to have mm-hmm. jobs and work. And so, and that is a return. I mean, it's the cheesiest part of the Christian tradition. No, but it's the best. But it begins right with Jesus, right? Like whenever he asks, he doesn't just say, 
don't do this, don't do that with money. Um, don't hoard, don't amass, just give it away. Yeah. He always says that there is a kind of hoarding and a kind of amassing you can do. It's just in heaven. So he'll say like, <laughs> you know, if you tear down uh, your storehouses, give your everything to the poor and you'll have treasure waiting for you in heaven. It's always, <laughs> you know what like I'm that. saying? It's yeah. always this back and forth. But it's cheesy, but it's true. I, which is uh, namely no. that like you, you, uh, it's not simply in the afterlife. It's also that in investing, you get the biggest return ever. It's just the return is real things and not more money. The return is businesses in, in your town. The return is happier people who have, you know, ownership and, and greater use of their freedom. Yeah. Uh, the return is, uh, the, I mean, it's the common good, but the return is, is just evident in your neighbors. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, I was, we were started, I mean, we've, been kind of plotting this out for a few years now and finally the work has like actually yeah. begun you know a few weeks ago it's just so cool it is cool and i really had an idea like i really wanted dave saison all the time that's why i wanted you know to invest in the brewery you know yeah. i just but um you know after the first couple of weeks of seeing your brother uh who's who's part of this effort and uh, a big part of it and and dave they're starting to renovate inside and just seeing how happy they were yeah oh my gosh it just blew me away yeah like it was overwhelming yeah i was like no that's why yeah totally i did this totally. you know the saison's just a really good bonus yeah you know <laughs> but the saison but, i mean you don't 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 snub it because it's, it's those, amazing it's those kinds of goods yeah. in the world that yeah. guide us and say okay well these are the kinds of things yeah that i'm not I think everyone to, yeah. should enjoy these areas mm -hmm. you know and I think that there's something so sad about the fact that modern investing, of which we will not speak in this positive episode, um, is money focused because it takes you make decisions on the basis of that return. Mm -hmm. And then you stop asking questions like, how do I want to live? Where do I want to live? Yeah. Who do I want to be? Mm -hmm. What do I want my neighborhood to look like? Yeah. How do I want my parks to look? Yeah. You stop being creative. You stop being powerful and you start being um, essentially um impoverished in the sense that all you care about is the same thing that people that can't invest care about which is money so then your investing it has nothing unique about it yeah um, it's just another like if, if it was something else that would get you the return you would do that yeah and so this guy that i keep mentioning this peter of john Levy, he wrote a couple quite a number of things but he wrote a treatise on poverty no saint francis for those of you that don't know put forward a command actually that said that none of his followers could even touch money you know i mean it's, it's hardcore it's super radical and um peter really alivi he wrote a treatise defending that and saying why is this right like metaphysically speaking how does this really reflect the gospel um they weren't against like ownership or yeah. you know in in a in some metaphysical sense um but you know the friars couldn't hold money now was it a sin to do so he said absolutely not there were some Franciscans that thought so, and they've been officially condemned by the magisterium, so they're wrong. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> he 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 follows up his treatise on poverty with a treatise on contracts, and particularly on investing. I mean, that's what he's it's the mm -hmm. investing contract that he's really mm -hmm. concerned about. Um, and his argument really takes the shape that in some way there is a material parallel to the immaterial poverty. Um, so in some sense, the, the vows that the monks take in some way parallel 
the vows that a merchant and the investor takes. Okay, bold, bold, uh, bold intro. Yeah, exactly. There you go. In, in you have my attention. <laughs> and and the answer in brief, we I think we should probably do a full episode on ownership at some point. Was was this that if you're holding all things in common, that doesn't mean that you don't actually have some sort of metaphysical possession of something. I mean, John Paul II makes this very clear in quite a number of his encyclicals that there is there's some sort of metaphysical ownership that exists that's not just legal or juridical, you know, and it emerges through work he, is his is answer. And, and that's just kind of capping off what the Franciscans thought about for so many centuries. Um, and so you can say something in some sense is yours as a friar or as a monk, mm-hmm. um, even though you can never make some sort of juridical claim to it. Right. On the other hand, the merchants and the investors, they can make some sort of legal and juridical claim to ownership. But when they actually come together in a joint activity, they all of a sudden have some sort of common ownership right. that parallels that of the monastery. Gotcha. You know, So they're entering into a, a, a return, in a sense, to a universal destination of all earthly goods-esque scenario yeah yeah yeah. um and and returning to that is really where we're trying to get um ultimately and the more that we return to that as friends the more freedom we find with those friends right i think that's a huge side of it um there's one other thing sorry that i'm stumbling around here um is the i think the that also is the key for understanding some sort of return on your investment oh yeah you never answered that question yeah um (laughs) why should you get a return at all yeah (laughs) i think in some cases you don't deserve one you know you might say that this is um a legitimate loan but there is the response to a friendship always deserves a response Mm -hmm. you know and the fact that um my friends have said i we would like to give this to you in response for this you know, trust and digni- dignification of our labor, yeah, yeah. you know, is, has its place, you know, totally. and then all that money has to be used in the same way again. Well, well, I think yeah. that's what it is, right? It's, there's a successful investment, um, shouldn't be rewarded in the sense that, um, you know, the clever use of money makes more money, mm-hmm. but the sign of a good investment in ideally is that you have successfully created work. Mm-hmm. And that means that you're probably the guy to do it again, <laughs> right? Um, and so the return should be seen as in the same way that its gift, the gift of money initially mm-hmm. empowers people to work. In the same sense, any return should be justified as empowering the giver to give again mm-hmm. um, and to say, okay. Because if it was if it was superfluous then it's most likely superfluous now. Now, obviously, there could be a yeah. situation where you become poor in between, and then suddenly it's taking care of your needs, and that's a different scenario. Mm-hmm. But it seems, generally speaking, the the goal within the society is not that some person just ends up with money and then leaves. I mean, that's like a that's like a divorce mentality. It's like, yeah. <laughs> how do I get the good and then and then get out of there? The question is rather how do we, how how do all people benefit within uh, a society of investment? Um, and one of the ways that the giver benefits is by being able to give. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's true. And, and, it, and it's what's really so uh, sad and perverse about um, our contemporary scene 
when when investment is impersonal and for the sake of private gain, um, what it means is that return is locked in these cycles of the people who are um, the people who are only doing it for themselves are the ones who are holding more and more of the world's wealth, mm-hmm. uh, which is just another way of describing our our massive um, wealth inequality that we experience in the world today. But when you when you see it like this, it's like, well, but right, because these people are refusing to enter into societas with the world, right? They're refusing to, yeah. to really belong and to mm. be part of a community in which um, can evaluate the worth of their uh, capital investment. Yeah. No, I think, yeah, if there's a societas that's formed between investor and investee, then there has to, you know, even if there's not the same sort of um, uh, distributive justice, charitable relationship happening with um, them as a collective and the customers that they serve, it still should be some sort of real good that you're giving them, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and that just raises up the state of society, as you're saying, you know, if yeah. I, I don't want to serve them bad beer, you yeah. know, because right. that just makes me bloated, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you know, there's, there's something about serving something, somebody really excellent, you know, and that then almost makes someone feel dedicated to, I mean, we all, we talk about haunts or like your favorite pub or some whatever else or your favorite company of some sort feels sort of dedication to them yeah and just the more that that can be a like a justifiable dedication rather than just good marketing right yeah. you know wow. yeah. is is really where we want to get to so yeah for sure well i'm convinced i mean i can't really invest much um there's one thing that also i promise i'm shut me off soon but there's a lot of different ways that people could do this um like real practical steps and there's various models that we've started to build out. And, you know, they, again, we're, we're, we're stumbling over ourselves, like trying to figure out what's the best thing to do. Yeah. What's the best model. Um, and, uh, and try and make corrections where we err. Um, but, um, but I think one thing that a lot of employee owned advocates get to is, is saying, um, well, how do I begin to, as the founder and owner, begin to divest my shares of the company to my employees? How do I sell it to the employees? Yeah. And and that's uh, kind of an interesting thing is that and because there is a question of, well, why do you need to sell it to them? You know, is a real question that we have to ask. Is that really a matter of justice or have they, through their labor, through their dedication to the company, through the fact that the company could not exist and do what it does without them? in some sense, justify a giving of the ownership to them. And and that actually is <coughs> John Paul II's argument, as far as I can tell. Yeah. And I like, you know, we we can bring that out at a different or at a different podcast and, and read that through. But he really gives you two options as a, as an owner of a company is that is just giving, you know, increasing employee ownership. Or sharing the profits, mm-hmm. you know, in such a way that um, that recognizes their contribution to it for what it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those are those are you know some questions that um, employee owned advocates need to start to think through. So why you know is if we're talking about ownership from a more metaphysical standpoint, um, uh, then then there's some bigger juridical questions to ask about yeah. but anyways i'm cutting ahead and i'm not making a good argument so we'll just do a whole episode on that yeah do you, do you <laughs> think that um do you think 
that investing in things for the sake of maintaining the value of one's wealth in an inflationary economy is just like because i'm struggling Mm, with the mm -hmm. fact that everything we've just said has been like well if i'm going to invest and i do an examination of conscience and say well what's my motivation if i'm not turning up with i want to dignify the labor of others Mm -hmm. then i should at least be very skeptical of myself right Mm -hmm. in my desire to invest Mm -hmm. but what about these situations where people feel like and, and I and I think in some ways I'm skeptical sometimes about mm-hmm. people because they're so <laughs> let me back up. Sometimes when wealthy people talk to me, <laughs> it's like they're they're just about to become poor in just like a second. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, I've gotta put all my money in, in gold or I gotta put it all in the stock market because the government is taking it left and right. And you can talk to them and think that they're just on the street tomorrow <laughs> if they don't like quickly get into investments. I think this is one of the like most weird moralizing scams that people go through where it's like yeah, I can see like the theoretical loss, not theoretical, like I can see how money loses value over time, but you're talking about superfluous wealth. You're not talking about the needs of your vocation, right? You're talking about a bunch of cash that is decreasing in value over time, right? So is it just to act out of that motivation and say, okay, I don't want to be a victim of inflation, therefore I'm going to invest? Yeah, it's an interesting question, and then, um, but I would just turn around and ask you a question: Why are you like saving? Like, what are you saving for exactly? You know, and I think that's just one of these places where different answers um, will have kind of different, um, different answers for me. You know, what do you <laughs> in mean? a certain what do you sense. Mean? So, like, if you are, um, uh, if you kind of have a desire to, well, there's okay. Um, Leo the 13th talks about saving for the sake of procuring productive property. Yeah. Okay. In that case, you have a definite end in mind for what you're saving for. You know, it's a classic liberality, the virtue of liberality. Um, In that case, it really just depends on like how much money you need to save in this economy, how good of a job you have. I see. Um, But if you are, you know, if you have like $10,000 or something like that in, in your savings, then you're not really going to be starting a company with that. Right. Uh, I mean, I guess you could find something smaller. Um, you know, oftentimes, I mean, a big problem, Alice, my wife, um, she kind of has a problem with some of the investment world. You know, even the ones where you're like investing in people is because it's like a, you know, a minimum investment of a hundred thousand dollars or a minimum investment of, of, you know, half a million dollars or something like that. And she's like, Nobody can invest. This system's rigged, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But, and, and, and I get that response. I, I understand it. I mean, um, but, uh, but there's also just kind of the, the, the fact that maybe if you don't have money, then you're just not investing. Like, right. and then you're just, that's not your apostolate, right. you know? Mm-hmm. And I really think investors have to take their apostolate seriously. Okay. So, um, and not everyone has the same apostolate. So, uh, I don't know with is really the answer and I'm just yeah, kind of yeah. fetching around for things, but if you have $10,000, you're not investing, yeah. you know, in big things, you might be able to pull your money together in some, some things, but you know, if you, if you have that much money, you're probably saving for, you know, a rainy day type thing, you mm-hmm. know, that's, that's your emergency fund. Mm-hmm. Um, 
allowance and uh, and really the thing that you're the thing that you're doing is working you mm -hmm. know and if you can convince somebody then be your your trons you know mm -hmm. you, like your investor then that's the place that you probably should be in yeah but it's it's like what are you are you really afraid of losing the value of that ten thousand dollars if it keeps changing because of inflation why not just toss an extra you know buck at it every year Right, right, something right. like that, maybe. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't have a good answer to that. No, but, but that I is sort of along the lines I, of how I start to think about it. Right. No, and th this is what I what I, I become suspicious mm -hmm. of people who are in that kind of state where they're saying, um, "Well, I have to do all of these financial techniques. I have to invest," but their investments by nature become very dubious and without that kind of personal local quality because their motivation is, "Well, I just." want to beat inflation they say mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem like it's the only way to beat inflation mm -hmm. which is what you what you seem to be saying that it's not just like if you have ten thousand bucks it's not like the only way to beat inflation is to is to invest in companies for instance yeah it's not no i, yeah. I mean by you see the when you see like crazy valuations of gold or platinum or or land or whatever else mm -hmm. you know the thing isn't changing like the one ounce of gold is still one ounce of gold the house is still a house. The land is still land. What's changing is the valuation of it, mm -hmm. you know? And so the question is, uh, and based on the fiat system, which you do not have control over, mm -hmm. you know, that's just one of those where you just have to say, you know, I, I leave it up to the gods, you know, yeah, <laughs> in yeah. a sense, you know, who, who rule over us in New York and et cetera. So I, yeah, I, I think there is some sort of um, just need of really collaborating with other Catholics that is just required to really beat inflation and you beat inflation by actually binding together and owning things uh, in, in a productive manner together, yeah. you know? And right. I think that's part of, part of it. But yeah, the rich person that's just scared of inflation is actually scared of his real apostolate and that's investing. And when John Paul II, you know, finishes off what he means by investing he he says that what you invest in reveals a human quality of your soul. Yeah. You know, I mean that's just crazy. You know, I mean that's really tough to swallow, and it's something that I, you know, I, I've kind of been talking about this for a while now. But it's just it's still like to this day, just like if I'm going to really put all my investments to the test and say, why am I doing this? What is being revealed by me putting money yeah, here? Right, right, right. You know, yeah. That's what the Pope's teaching. Yeah, we got to be docile to that teaching. Yeah, it's almost like you he's know? carving. You know, we can let the theologians debate about it, but it's like he's carving out the place for investing itself to be called a virtue. Because when you talk about something as revealing mm. the quality of of the human soul, you're at least speaking the language of of virtue, right? You're talking about. Well, I think he's putting it back into the historic uh, category of the church fathers and talking about beneficence. Beneficence. Yeah, right. I think it's yeah, already yeah. kind of a category. You know? That idea is yeah. is the very fact that he could say that should show us how different our um, investing should be from mm -hmm. the world because yeah. what we're going to say is um, this investing – my investments, the sum total of my investments, if you go through them, show who I am and mm -hmm. what matters to me and what's important. Which means that apparently what's really important and what really matters to a lot of Catholics is Amazon's success <laughs> and Alphabet Incorporated. So we're just really revealing how, you know, 
unique special we are yeah no, of course we're not what we're revealing is precisely what john paul ii says we will reveal which is the state of our souls it's just that the state of our souls is a sorry state indeed right and then the major question that comes after this is like well is there another option and he actually has already answered that too he says that investing is always a moral and a cultural decision it's another way of saying there is no neutral yeah you know it's always moral because as he says it describes the type of well excuse me i should start with it's always cultural because when you invest you actually build something up you physically yeah. change the composition of your city yeah it's different as a result now you're when you build up a city you're either building up the city of god or you're building up the city of man it's either one it's it can't be you know it's yeah. not there was no third and as a result, it also reveals itself, investing reveals itself to be a, a moral decision because it reveals which city your heart longs for most. Mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. you're building the city of man, then you want that more. Yeah. If you're right. building the city of God, you want that more. You know, you know proof is in the pudding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's revelatory. And I think, you know, one just a kind of last kind of thought is that investing. I think one of the signs that you're investing in a way that um, really does speak something good about your soul, maybe, I hope, is that you say, if this doesn't work out, it was so worth a try, mm. you know? Totally. It was a, it was worth the effort. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's great. So maybe we shouldn't end there. But. Yeah, no, I, I think that Christianity just lends itself to creating the kind like making the kind of people we knew were the heroes when we were kids <laughs> right the heroes are the people who put put make big risks put themselves behind things because they're good and not because they're profitable who sacrifice themselves who look for others who can look a bunch of money in the eye and walk away because they have something higher like we all knew that was the hero that's why mm -hmm. he's the subject of all all our movies it's just that we enter into this world where then we have to um trample on all that as adults and say oh that was that was kid stuff that was it's nice for movies but of course in real life kid you know you just follow the money and you get a good return on your investment and then you die um so it's very doesn't that sound great <laughs> it's, it's very heartening um to hear from the church this return of adventure of yeah. risk of communion and society with others in order to better the world because what becomes an empty cliche in the mouth of the world becomes like a promise in the mouth of the church like yeah. if we really believe this we will make the world a better better place right like all yeah. those <laughs> lame things that that we hear all the time but in fact are should be our real motivations for for investing at all and you know i really like these i should affirm you because i think it's such a great thing to say that you're not necessarily supposed to invest Oh, really? You know? Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes you're just supposed to blow it all on your vacation. <laughs> that's it. I mean, maybe if you end up with a windfall or something, you know, a dead, lost great aunt or whatever. Yeah. Or, you're, or the work is really good and you're getting compensated well. Yeah, it's way beyond what you thought. Yeah. yeah sure. You know? But, like, man, if you, if you are, if all you have is, like, a house and a family and you're starting to look at excess money, I think that your first step should be okay how do i make my land productive like how do i give gifts to my neighbors yeah how do i you know it's not okay now i've got to avoid inflation and put some money in bitcoin <laughs> or whatever it's like uh <laughs> Bad well, <move>. that would be, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um 
but I think that's very freeing because I think increasingly the rhetoric from people as the world becomes more and more financialized is that there's something like irresponsible about a life that doesn't take these sort of investment things seriously. Um, but when you describe it as a vocation and a particular calling that comes with essentially having a bunch of money, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's very helpful because it just knocks out a whole character type, which is like the striving young, poor investor type mm. who is very obnoxious. <laughs> and it just says, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. so maybe people will like that. Maybe they won't, but I like it. Yeah, well, I'm here for it. I'm here for you telling me I don't have to do <laughs> more work. Yeah, and I mean, if it's really bothering you, and um, I mean, obviously, the answer to everything is like, go be honest with yourself in sure. front of Jesus in the in the Holy Sacrament, right? Yeah. You know, like go to adoration and say, Jesus, why am I feeling like this? Mm-hmm. Am I right? And maybe part of the answer is that you really do have a toilsome job, and it's not a good one. Yeah. And at that point, you know, pray for an investor to come along or at least pray for a good boss who has a, who's doing good work that will hire you. Yeah. Look around for that. You know, the father, you know, it's known for giving good gifts. Yeah. You know, he's the first benefactor. Yeah. Um, and, and, but I really think it has to be like an honest prayer, you know, and a lot of us are still trying to get to know ourselves and you know, what are, what are the secrets of our hearts? You know, what are the desires? You know, if we had money, what would we really invest in? What's the right. quality of our souls? And, you know, we just try and keep getting better and praying for sanctity and, you know, we'll get tossed around along the way and hopefully there's some things that happen that are good. <laughs> totally, like, dude. Like salvation. Like, like one of those <laughs> things. All right. Well, there you have it. Go reveal the qualities of your soul, the good qualities of your soul by your investments. By your fruit, you shall know them. And by your investments, too. Their investments, too, apparently. <laughs> so, um we're going to do more on this, and then we're also going to talk more specifically and maybe more heatedly, at least for me, <laughs> about various ways that we avoid what seems to be the calling to yeah. um, distribute wealth through the means of investment mm-hmm. and how we have a lot of things that look like investment, that feel like investment, that kind of have the language of investment, but in fact are not, but are the <laughs> sordid seeking of private gain. Yeah. <laughs> so many are about the business. All right. Next time. Later. Till then. All right. See you, everyone.